reading of the scripture from Acts um, chapter um, pardon, 21. Do I have the right one? Can I see your... Uh, oh, your, your uh, I want to make sure I've got the right one. Acts chapter 22, pardon me, verse 30 to 23, verse 11. So I invite your uh, reverent hearing of God's Word here in Acts 22 and 23. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet and be brought And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the decision became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All of us are familiar with the sentiment that education is profoundly important. Certainly it is. And certainly key to education is teachers. They matter profoundly because of the effect that they have upon their students. But this is uh, even more radically true in the spiritual world uh, because of eternity. Uh, We may flunk a calculus test. We'll live through it somehow. Uh, But flunking eternity is an entirely different matter. And this morning there's a clash of... uh, Two types of teachers, the Apostle Paul and religious uh, leaders of uh, Israel. And our text is an illustration of how, in the spiritual realm, uh, teachers are so radically important. 
we know uh, in verses 1 and 2 that uh, false teachers are abusing their followers. Uh, Acts chapter 23, by perverting justice. And that is something of a hint that these teachers are false because anytime you pervert justice, then uh, you're, you're dealing uh, falsely. It's important to realize that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, though they were religious rulers, uh, they were really politicians who owed their power to Rome. Uh, for example, the high priest was appointed by Herod. Perversion, of course, of the Old Testament. Tribe of Levi, family of Aaron. But you know how it is with men. Well, God has his way, but we have ours. So high priest is appointed by Herod. He owes his position to a politician. The trial is a perversion of Old Testament biblical law because the law, Leviticus 19, granted due process to the accused. Paul is not given due process. He's going to be steamrolled or they're going to attempt to steamroll him so they can kill him. And then during the trial, this fake trial, Paul is struck. Uh, which was a violation of uh, Deuteronomy 25. Of course, you and I know that the parallel with the trial of our Savior, uh, John chapter 19, is a tragic reminder that what they did to the Savior, they're going to do to the followers of Christ. And the perversion is, of course, that there's two standards of law and selective application. And when you pervert the law, you destroy a people as well as destroying an entire culture. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, uh, the religious rulers were the blind leading the blind and both of them are going to fall into the ditch. And the ditch being, of course, a metaphor of eternal ruin. And that's what happens when the blind lead the blind. It's a, a pedagogical reality for us of how important teachers are. Perhaps the text cries out to us, choose wisely, because eternity is the state. But uh, regardless of the civil trial, um, civil uh, abuses, let's pay more attention to the eternal abuses. Uh, because again, the clash of our text is really a clash between the Apostle Paul and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the greater reality here is that false teachers will bring down their followers uh, when eternal judgment comes, verses 3 to 10. Uh, so Paul uh, says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees after he's been struck uh, and abused physically during the trial in, in verse 3 that, well, God will strike you. And then he calls them, very importantly, a whitewashed wall. Uh, this is an allusion to a couple of texts. Uh, the first in the New Testament, uh, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 27. Uh, this word whitewashed is used in that context. And that's why I believe that the Apostle Paul is alluding to uh, the words of our Savior in Matthew 23. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. The practice uh, relates to the whitewashing of tombs to make them readily identifiable to the pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem to keep them from accidentally uh, touching the tomb and becoming ceremonially unclean. So before the great pilgrim feasts, they would go out and uh, whitewash all the tombs. So uh, no one uh, would be denied uh, entrance into the great city. Of course, in Matthew chapter 23, uh, Jesus is saying the false teachers are the dead ones, full of dead men's bones. And they're unclean themselves, meaning that uh, people who come in contact with them are rendered unclean. Something of the danger of false teaching. So false teachers are not just a danger to themselves, they're profoundly dangerous to their followers. But more particularly, I think the text is an allusion to Ezekiel uh, chapter 13. If you want to turn in your Old Testament, uh, again, Ezekiel uh, chapter 13. Uh, because there's a reference uh, uh, here to the similar uh, concept and certainly conceptually parallel the verses are. Ezekiel 13, uh, verses 9 to 11. So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel. Nor will they enter the land of Israel that you may know that I am the Lord, the Lord God. It is definitely because they have misled by people by saying peace when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. So tell those who plaster it over with whitewash that it will fall. A flooding rain will come and you, O hailstones, will fall and a violent wind will break out. Uh, it, it's well worth reminding us that uh, the prophet uh, writing the word of the Lord is inveighing against the false teachers of Israel. But really it applies to us today when false teachers are filling pulpits all over the world saying peace, peace when there is no peace. Uh, you and I know emphatically there's only peace through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Only He can reconcile us to God. And any other pronouncement is the pronouncement of a false prophet. And the false prophets were alive in the days of the prophet Ezekiel, but they're also uh, well today, sad to say, in many churches. But let's look at verse 14 to 16, Ezekiel 13. So I shall tear down the wall which you plastered over with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation is laid bare. And when it falls, you will be consumed in its midst and you will know that I am the Lord. And thus I shall spend my wrath on the wall and those who have plastered it over with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is gone and its plasters are gone along 
with the prophets of Israel who prophesy to Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, declares the Lord God. It is an emphatic reminder that teachers matter because of eternity. Uh, the, the text, of course, is a construction metaphor of an unscrupulous contractor. I don't know if you've ever uh, hired a contractor that you believed uh, to be true and only to find out that he was playing false. Uh, you signed a contract, but he had his own in his heart. Uh, the city fathers where you uh, built uh, had their rules, but he had his own rules. And in some cases, you never know until they leave. In this case, the contractor paints over a wall to hide its defects in the pretense that it's stable. Or he erects a new wall of shoddy workmanship and represents it as new. Uh, the word for wall, as you know, is oftentimes used of the walls of a city, which in the ancient Near East were used for protection. Uh, but God is saying in Ezekiel that, that uh, the walls around Jerusalem are going to fall. In this case, of course, the wall does not protect. More importantly, the false teachers have eroded the spiritual lives of their hearers to the extent that they too are culpable for judgment and will be caught up when the judgment comes. When the judgment comes, there's no protection from fake walls and shoddy workmanship built by bad contractors and bad builders. Builders are important too, but teachers are radically important because of eternity. You know, I would remind you that uh, a skyscraper built without uh, steel beams um, is going to fall. A uh, Potemkin village is a mere facade. It doesn't really exist. Uh, and it's really not a village at all. It's just mere propaganda. And it's a lesson for us that in the church, teachers radically matter. Illustration from the great song of the vineyard in uh, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 5. The vineyard, which is Israel, has been playing God false, committing idolatry. And so God says in the song of the vineyard, let me tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'm going to remove its hedge. The hedge was a wall around the vineyard to protect it. And it will be consumed, God says. Or break down its wall and become trampled ground so the protection is taken down so the vine can be destroyed. And that's exactly what happens in the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, the wall is taken down and Babylon destroys the vine, carries it into captivity. And again, all, all during the prophecy of Isaiah, the prophets were saying, peace, peace, when there's no peace. Uh, Isaiah is just some weirdo, doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't listen to him, listen to us. Everything's going to be okay. I had a vision last night. 
and there's going to be plenty of peace to go around for everyone. And Isaiah says there will be no peace. And of course, Isaiah is born out to have been a true prophet uh, for Babylon comes and the nation is taken away. And it was caused by false teachers. Reminded of uh, uh, really the lesson of the song of the vineyard uh, found in uh, the 13th uh, verse of the 5th chapter. Therefore my people will go into exile for the lack of knowledge. The teachers didn't teach him. They didn't have knowledge. They flunked the course. It cost them dearly. A New Testament metaphor of this Old Testament event is uh, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn in the New Testament to uh, the third chapter, Paul's epistle, uh, first epistle to the church at Corinth. Uh, contextually, Paul is stressing the importance of qualified builders because uh, he knows of a coming judgment. And in verse 10, Paul refers to himself as a skilled craftsman. 1 Corinthians 3, 10, according to the grace of God which was given to me. Notice the sovereign grace of God. Paul possessed grace because God gave it to him. That's the only way any of us gets the sovereign grace of God. It's given as a free gift and sovereign power. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. And Paul is stressing this because uh, he knows he's temporal and at some point men and others will come along to uh, build upon his work. And so there's a warning to the builders who follow him. Uh, notice again verse 10. I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. Now look at the warning. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. Paul is issuing a warning because he knows there's fakes that are going to come in behind him. He knows that there's going to be men who will come in behind him who are sometimes very genuine, but who are not wise master builders and who aren't qualified to build. They may be genuine Christians, but that doesn't make them skilled builders and teachers. Of course, you and I know that Christ is the only foundation for the church. Every other foundation will fail. Only that foundation will hold in the coming judgment. But the metaphor of the building is the end time temple of God. Notice verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. Remember the song of the vineyard. And then notice what God what Paul says, you are God's building. Well, what building is that? The end time temple that uh, Christ has begun and the apostles are uh, building upon it. And of course, builders uh, who come uh, to build uh, subsequent to the apostle Paul use raw materials. So let's look at the raw materials, verses 12 and 13. 
Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, and then wood, hay, and stubble, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. The reference to uh, gold and silver and precious stones are used, uh, or were used in the building of the temple of the Old Testament. So Paul is making an allusion to the Old Testament temple. And he says there's good builders who are going to come and use the right raw materials and uh, add to the temple using the proper building materials specified uh, by Moses in the book of Exodus. Very specific instructions. What's wood, hay, and stubble? Well, that's the construction used by the building of a common everyday building. In other words, the qualified builder is building upon the temple in the proper way. The qualified teacher is building and adding the true people of God to the spiritual edifice of the body of Christ, the end time temple. But false teachers come along in parallel, as they always parallel. There's always fakes. And they're going to use the building materials of the world to try to add to the church. Maybe borrow from worldly marketing practices or worldly songs. I mean, I don't know, but just kind of everywhere. But certainly they're going to pervert the truth to try to add to the church. If you will, wood, hay, and stubble. And then the judgment's going to come. And Paul says each man's work will be fired. The the works of the teachers who have attempted to add to the uh, temple of God will be fired, and uh, that which is common every day will be destroyed. And so, the works of every teacher will be fired, qualified or not. One's going to remain and one will not. Teachers matter because of eternity. Notice verses 15 to 17. But if any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. There's no question the construction metaphor is of the end time temple of God. You add to it as an unqualified builder and your work will be destroyed, and so will you. Now, the case here is of a man who is, uh, who is a genuine Christian. He's got good motives. They're as pure as a day is long. He has good heart. It's uh, very compassionate. Uh, he has many, many virtues, but he's not qualified as the teacher. And he adds what, what he shouldn't add. And his work is burned up even though he is saved as by fire. So it is a reminder that the building is going to confront end time judgment. And like the nation of Israel was destroyed, uh, false teachers in the church will uh, establish a false people of God in parallel to the truth. And they cannot withstand the judgment of God. The purifying fire. And our God is a consuming fire. 
and the walls are torn down. I, uh, I'm not a contractor, not in construction, but uh, I once saw a wall in uh, uh, my neighbor's yard uh, that a contractor had put up that looked to be a very stable retaining wall. And one day it just fell over. And uh, someone I knew told me, you know where that wall fell? It had no rebar in it. I don't know who put this wall up, but they were really unscrupulous and they were trying to make a quick buck uh, because you put up a retaining wall with that rebar and let me tell you, it's going to fall someday. And that wall fell. And so teachers and builders are radically important, particularly in the life of the church. And teachers matter because of their effect upon students. The particular danger of the false teachers in the book of Acts is expressed, uh, again, returning back to uh, Acts chapter 23, uh, is expressed in their denial of uh, the resurrection. Uh, as you know, the Sadducees uh, denied the resurrection and any future life, uh, and they also denied a spirit world. I mean, why would you follow a teacher like that? Well, uh, many, of course, did. Uh, remind you of something that uh, I, I simply can never get out of my head, and I've shared it uh, on a couple of occasions, but a friend of mine who was a priest in the Episcopal Church told me that uh, in his church, he meant the church at large, the Episcopal Communion in the United States of America, a priest could deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ, deny the second coming of Jesus Christ, and still be a priest. Why, why would you follow a priest uh, like that? Of course, uh, in our communion, we're all priests, uh, and there's but one high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Pharisees held to a final resurrection with rewards and punishments along with the spirit world. Uh, they believed in the Old Testament canon, uh, but they denied the end-time resurrection that was linked to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, meaning they were false. You deny the resurrection of the Savior, and you're just a false teacher. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Redeemer, the Lord willing, Sunday to come. Most every church in America will do the same. I wonder how many men who stand in the pulpit and sing those songs and read those scriptures really believe that Christ conquered death, beat it, defeated all of his enemies, and conquered them, and won his people. But for all who deny the resurrection, judgment awaits them for perverting their followers. And so Paul wisely exploits a division between the two parties, an uproar ensues, and then the Roman commander rescues the Paul before they tear him limb from limb. It's a very fearful time for the Apostle Paul. It's a very very fearful time when, when, you, uh, uh, when you're perhaps a lone teacher of truth surrounded by uh, fakes. Uh, and they're trying to get at you to destroy you. Uh, Paul was a man just like you and me. Uh, 
I'm sure in many respects he was terrified. Uh, certainly his blood pressure uh, went way up, fall into the hands of a mob. Uh, but it is a reminder, uh, the words of our Savior, uh, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So God affirms to the Apostle that his blessings are upon him. That's one of the reasons that we build our theology upon the theology of the Apostles. Because God affirms that they are true. Verse 11 of Acts chapter 23. On the night immediately following, the Lord stood at, uh, at His side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness to me in Rome also. In other words, God in His providence is going to uh, care for him until he gets to Rome uh, to be a witness of the grace of God in Rome as well. Because he was a true witness, he's going to witness in Rome. Now in our subsequent studies, we're going to learn that everything, the fury of nature, and of course the Jews, and even Roman government is going to try to stop that. They cannot stop the promises of God respecting the Apostle Paul. And by the way, uh, our world is filled with false teachers. They cannot prevent us uh, from entering heaven's gates because of God's grace. And that's the essential point. True witness is about Christ. Always Christ. Whether you're preaching in the Old Testament, it's always about Christ from beginning to end. Or you're preaching in the New Testament, it's always about Christ from beginning to end. If you're not a Christian, you're missing the entire witness of every word in the Scriptures. Because it's all about Christ. Uh, with respect to the church, of course, God gives us uh, true teachers in the midst of the false. It's the grace of God. Uh, we live in a profoundly uh, corrupt uh, religious community full of counterfeits. Uh, most people, sad to say, don't know that they've been passed fake $20 bills in a spiritual sense. And in many cases, they don't care. They simply think they have the currency and uh, that'll see them into eternity. Uh, nothing but Christ can get you into eternity. Nothing. Every fake bill will be fired. Become worthless. Because... Uh, that is what the judgment of God is. We'll come and fire everything except that which is not in Christ alone. That's our confession. Every other shepherd will fail. Every other shepherd will whisper in your ear, I'm sorry, I've got to leave now. And they'll be fired in the judgment too. That's why we believe and place our hope and faith in the only shepherd beyond the grave. And we will celebrate His resurrection in its physical reality, the Lord willing, next Sunday. Let's talk about uh, the archetype of God's teachers, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God raises Him up. Uh, he comes and takes upon Himself uh, human flesh Assumes human nature. Why is that? Because Israel was filled 
with false teachers. And he comes as the true teacher. Moses foretold that event in the book of Deuteronomy. That God would raise up a true teacher, and now he's come. As you know, an essential part of Christ's mediatorial work was as a prophet. What do prophets do? They teach the truth. Christ taught the truth. Now, we know from the Gospel of John that he reveals the Father to us. The prologue, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ, the eternal Word, that can teach us about God the Father. And so it is said in verse 18, that Christ was in the bosom of the Father, and he explained him. The Greek word is literally he exegeted God the Father. Only God the Son can exegete God the Father. Only. He was in the bosom of the Father, and only only God Himself is in the bosom of the Father. It's more radical than just the credentials of our Savior. It's the majesty of God, sending to us an eternal word of salvation, God the eternal word, to exegete the Father to us, that we might know God. Remember the terrific words of uh, judgment and the song of the vineyard. They were destroyed because they had no knowledge. We had no knowledge and God came to us in Jesus Christ and gave to us eternal knowledge. So we won't be destroyed. It's not only just that uh, Christ is the true teacher come from God. Uh, He's more radical than any teacher I ever had in my entire life. He's an efficacious teacher. By efficacious, I mean when he teaches, we learn. Who can do that? Uh, If he was not an efficacious teacher, we would be doomed. Uh, Because dead men can't learn. God makes us alive teaches us the majesty, the provision of the Savior. Uh, John chapter 6, and verse 45. It's written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. All throughout the Scriptures, uh, the children of Israel are failing because they had human teachers that had corrupted the covenant. And so God says, I'm going to send the true teacher. And I'm going to teach him. They failed, I won't. And notice the words of Jesus of his uh, efficacious as, as a teacher in John chapter 6, verse 45. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. That's what I mean. He was an efficacious teacher. He taught us about God the Father and we went to God the Father because he was an efficacious teacher. I remember when I was an undergraduate student, uh, uh, much like all of life, they were always changing the curriculum. I remember they came out in the business college, so well, you've now got to take six hours of calculus and, and statistics. And I said to myself, I'm doomed. God's children are taught of God. Spiritual calculus. Efficacious teacher. It's... We couldn't learn, but he made us learn by his sovereign power. We also know that Christ is truth. 
well-worn scripture, John 14, 6. Christ says, I am the truth. I am the truth. Without truth, there's no way to know. Christ is eternal truth. The eternal God that became flesh and dwelt among us. Truth. Because we have him, we will not perish for lack of knowledge. When the judgment comes to fire us, we will escape because we're in the Savior. Like the hymn, he will hold us fast. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians 2.3 that Christ possesses the treasures of all wisdom and understanding. Now that's a qualified teacher. He possesses all wisdom and understanding. Isaiah 11.2 possesses all knowledge because he's the eternal God himself. Uh, I love the phrase in Isaiah 9.6. He's wonderful counselor. The word wonderful is oftentimes used in the Old Testament of redemptive context. Our Savior is the redemptive counselor. I, I can never forget my wonderful high school counselors. I sometimes wonder if they knew anything, because I certainly didn't know anything at all. Sent there to counsel us on how to get through. And we have counselors all of our life. Sometimes we call them coaches and mentors. We have, in Jesus Christ, the eternal counselor blessed by God called Wonderful Counselor. Do you know Him? Blessed are all who do. Because the future is in Him. He cures our ignorance so that we can know God. Furthermore, in His eternal goodness, uh, God blesses the church with qualified teachers. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 that when He ascended into heaven, He gave gifts to men. And one of those gifts is pastor-teachers. Christ gifting the church. Men like the Apostle Paul. In the eternal goodness of our Savior, He does not leave us wanting he provides qualified teachers. Because teachers matter. Because eternity matters. And the qualified teachers are for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. One thing for sure. Christ is head of the body. And the body will not pass through judgment. Rescued by God. Preserved for all eternity. Made pure by the washing of the water with the Word. By the eternal Word and by qualified teachers. Think of God's goodness and the archetypical teacher who gives to us teachers. There is a uh, relief of Jonathan Edwards in Massachusetts. Uh, the great 18th century pastor uh, and reformer who carried on the traditions of the Protestant Reformation. He was a son of the Reformation. He was, I believe, a true teacher of God. 
Underneath that relief are these words. True instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many back from iniquity. We have that relief in our fellowship hall. Except we've included where it came from, namely Malachi chapter 2 and verse 6. The immediate context is praise of Levi. The father of the tribe of Levi. He was true. He was true. The tragedy of the times of the day in which Malachi is writing is that the sons of Levi had become false. And they were leading the sons of Israel astray into ruin. I'll go ahead and read a few more verses of Malachi chapter 2, verse 7. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction for his mouth, for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. That's why qualified teachers are so radically important because they turn many away from iniquity. In verse 8, the prophet turns upon the false teachers of Israel like he turns upon all the false teachers in American churches, wherever they might be. Thank God for many that are true, but there are many that are false and counterfeit. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way you have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. The Greek translation says you have enfeebled, you have made them weak with your instruction. Because they corrupted the covenant, they corrupted the teaching. And they didn't turn many away from iniquity, they turned it to iniquity. to be destroyed by the judgment. It is not so with us. God has has blessed us in the power of Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with true teachers who labor by the grace of God to turn many to himself. Uh, I I trust in the power of the Savior that uh, he has turned you to the true teacher. I would confess to you, I don't have the power to turn you. Would that I could, but I cannot. Ill-equipped to that task. Uh, Would that God would turn you if you know not. The true Savior, the true teacher, the efficacious teacher, uh, the Son of truth, all truth, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The true Savior, Jesus Christ. Would that God would turn you. Uh, If you belong to Him, What a summary reason, this very day, this very hour, to praise Him for giving you a true heart to know truth, for teaching you efficaciously, for bringing you up in the fear of the Lord, for turning you to wisdom and knowledge and understanding, for giving to you the wonderful Counselor to guide you through all of the pitfalls of life, to bring you to the end, to make you gold, silver and precious stones on the end time temple of the great and glorious God. 
who will come through the end time judgment intact. Reserved for glory and not for fire. And so Paul has taught us that true teachers matter because of eternity. Because eternity is at stake. The eternal one came to save us by his eternal power. We are safe in him. And let's praise God for that signal fact.